Welcome to Living in the Aftermath with Dr. Rick Reynolds. Thank you so much for tuning in again to Living in the Aftermath with yours truly, Dr. Rick Reynolds. Uh, I have one of my favorite people again. Uh, three times in a row, I asked him to come on the show because of the rave reviews. And again, help me welcome the one and only science guy, Bobby Dingus. How you doing, Bobby Dingus? Bless you, Dr. Rick Reynolds. Once again, how you doing? Thank you so much for coming on one more time. Yes, sir. I'm telling you, man, the people are loving you. Um, we got to just do one more episode, and I want to jump right into it right now. Uh, I want to get uh, this particular episode that deals with the soul of the matter. Um, a man by the name of Jim Packer said something. I did a little research on him, and he said that your soul is your conscious, personal self. He said the I that knows itself as me. Your soul is the identity that makes you who you really are. He goes on to say, Bobby, that it is the seat of your memory and feelings and your imaginations and your convictions. I think I pretty much gave you a definition of the soul of the matter, but um, what do you think of this definition by Jim Packard? I really believe that uh, with Mr. Jim Packard, he's he's very accurate in his description and how he is helping us to understand or describe the soul. Um, when I think about the soul as well, um, I th you know, of course, I go to the Word of God first. And the first time you see anything about a soul in the book of Genesis is after God breathed his life or breathed breath into the nostrils of man. Yes. That's the first time you see anything considered a soul or a living soul. And, and it lets me know that, you know, when God breathed his breath into our nostrils and we became a living soul, that was the moment that the individualization of the individual was recognized. Yeah. He, 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 he was aware of himself. He was aware of himself in the fullness of what God had made him to be. And so with that, um, like, like Mr. Uh, what's his name again? Jim Packer. Like Mr. Jim Packer said, you know, this is the place where our conscious mind, our imaginations, our memories, all these things come to play. And, and it lets me, you know, it leads me to even, in, in the mindset of where, because our soul is in that place, what is the role of the soul with creation? Yes, yes. I think that's a great point. Uh, just want to piggyback on something you said about, uh, uh, from a biblical perspective, you talked about how uh, in the beginning, um, that how we were formed. But if you actually do a, a word study on that, Bobby, you'll find out that God did not speak man into existence. He formed him. That's right. So he formed him first. Unlike the other animals and the other creation that he did, he spoke it. That's right. With man, he formed him. That's good. And then he breathed. That's right. Life. That's right. And he became a, a living, living soul. soul. So we don't realize, Bobby, that we're the only species that God has made that we were created twice. Amen. <laughs> Yes, I'm listening, sir. Go We're ahead. created twice. Do you That's agree right. with that? Yes, sir. And yes, so sir. let me move on to, to, to my, my next question to you. Uh, because we were breathed, uh, a soul was breathed into us by God. My second question or um, uh, my second point I'd like to ask you, my second question to you is uh, when I did my research, I found out that the soul is the source of all of our achievements. Hmm. 
And I want you to ponder that for a minute. Um, uh, go where you need to go with that. And, and, and let me give you a biblical reference uh, just so that it'll help you. Uh, the Bible says that the body apart from the spirit is dead. And so it's the soulish realm uh, um, that creates the achievement. Last week, you said something so profound. Uh, I can't wait to say it this Sunday at church and how you told us how when a group of people come together, that they become one and it can affect the weather system. That's right. That's right. That's right. Uh, based on your question, you know, in relation to our soul being the achievement factor or the greatest achievement, um, it causes my mind to think on the lines of, you know, first in scripture, when Paul says, you know, I pray that you prosper yeah. and be in good health, even, even as your soul prospers. So it, it allows me to think about the relationship between what we consider prosperity and good health. Yes. And and the, the word of God is aiming it to the degree of, okay, the result of your health, the result of your achievements, the result of your prosperity is directly related to the condition. Oh, that's of good. Your soul. It is. That is true. It, it's yes. definitely related to the condition. Yes, of the soul. And so, you know, once we recognize and connect that down and say, hey, my health, my well-being, my personal reality amongst the reality of humanity is directly affected by the condition of my soul. So if that is the case, then the next question that we can ask ourselves is, okay, of my condition, of my soul's condition is affecting all these things of me and around me. Uh, there's actually two questions. One is, how does the soul work? How does the soul work? And the second question is, what is the language or the relationship between the soul and creation? Wow, that's good. Listen, I need you to flow a little bit because I know you got some stuff in you. So I want you just to take it away just for a few moments. Um, what else could you add to this particular uh, subject today regarding the soul of the matter? Well, um, and, and there's many layers to, to what we call reality. Um, I like to really allow myself to dive into different perspectives. Um, you know, I always use the word of God as my foundation. And, and so I want to approach it as well from a scientific perspective. Now, from a scientific uh, perspective, what we see here is, is, you know, let's take away the religious talk for a moment. Absolutely. And just look at some principles here. Um, you know, the word soul in the Greek. Yes. Is translated suke. Yes, it is. And suke, retranslated back to English, is psyche. Yes. Okay. And so when you think about the psyche or the field that studies the psyche, we have the field called psychology. Yes. Now, when we think about psychology, uh, what are we what are we studying? We're studying the behavior. What causes the behavior? We started. We're studying the the mindset, yes. the thought patterns, what a person believes. We're even going as deep as the the conversion of emotions to uh, chemicals in the in the blood and 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 how it affects the cell. So all of this in psychology, or what is called the psyche, also known as the soul. What I yes. see in that lens is more of a nature of how it works. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. And then there's something else with that, which is still a part of ourselves that influences that nature. Yes. And so um, I also see the soul in a sense of when, when looking through that lens, 
I now begin to see a different type of body. I begin, to, I begin to see something beyond the flesh and blood. I begin to see electricity. I begin to see magnetism. I begin to see chemistry. I begin to see a corporal body that's not necessarily tangible the way we see a tangible body, but there's a corporal body that exists with us biologically that's directly, directly influencing our flesh and blood. Absolutely. That's good. That's real good. And then our thought processes is affecting that mechanical nature of what we call the soul. You know, the, the magnetic field, the electricity, the, the, the pulse. I believe that when God breathed the breath of life into man in that creation, that is the moment that a pulse began in the body. That's good. Yes, sir. You know, you brought up a good point. Um, I love those two uh, illustrations that you gave. There is a scripture, when, as you was talking, it, it kind of came back in my mind. And there's a scripture, I'm going to paraphrase it. And it says, don't be afraid or don't fear the person. It says, uh, don't fear the person uh, that can kill the body, but fear the person that can kill the, the body and the soul. Yes, yes, I'm familiar with that scripture. Go ahead. No, you go ahead because it's, it's hot to me only because, Dr. Bobby, it's hot because it lets me know that I'm going to go somewhere right now. I feel like I'm about to preach to my people yes, out sir, here. please, go ahead. It feels like that even if you kill my body, my soul will live forever. Yes, yeah, so, so as far as the death of man from the hands of man, uh, I would say that, you know, man can kill the body of a man, which is really just detaching the vehicle. You're cutting off the circuitry of allowing this vessel to operate in this realm. Wow. Um, but the body is not life itself. The body is just the vehicle. The body's like the satellite in which the soul operates through. So if the body's damaged, that's kind of like a cell phone that's damaged. You know, my cell phone can be damaged, but the signal's not. Wait, say that again. That's hot. <laughs> no, say that again about the cell phone. I love that. I was saying that, you know, in, in relation to the body, the body's like a cell phone. The oh. cell phone can be damaged and inoperative, but the signal was not. What's actually happening is the signal doesn't have a place to pass through Man, that's for good. interpretation. That's good. So that's how I see our human bodies. Our human bodies is like that cell phone. Yes. Of the body malfunctions, it never really stopped the signal of the soul. Wow. It's just the soul no longer has a point of access into this reality. Wow. That's good. Yes, sir. So that makes sense why people are martyrs and different things of that nature because now they understand they have a concept of an internal perspective. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And and But we still have to be careful in that place. Okay. Uh, because, you Why know, do you say that? Uh, the reason I say that is because if, if, if we don't allow ourselves to walk in it circumspectly in regards to respecting that knowledge, um, it can begin to foster a certain kind of self-exaltation, you know, to where it's like, oh, I'm eternal anyway, so I can do whatever I want, uh, which is really not... Uh, a moral perspective, however, being, and that's why I believe that the Bible, you know, also says like, hey, don't don't fear him who can kill the body. Right. But fear him who can kill the body and the soul. So there is still that 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 supreme spirit that can even bring death to the soul. And I think that's very important that we kind of take heed to that as well. It's like, hey, the condition of the soul has a consequence. 
So even though the death in this body allows the soul to pass beyond this dimension, there's still a responsibility or, or a consequence of how the soul handle itself while in this world. Hey, that's real good. So what I'm hearing you say, if I understand you correctly, we're talking about soul care. Yes, yes. And when we think about soul care, it's so multi-level because when I hear soul care, I'm hearing mind care. Yes. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about the thoughts of the person. Yes. I'm thinking about their mindset. I'm thinking about their emotions. I'm thinking about their beliefs. I'm thinking about habitual behaviors. Um, all this is wrapped up in what can be called soul care. That's good. And I'm telling you why I'm getting excited because as you're talking, I'm getting revelation and I'm hearing that actually uh, uh, the success of your life actually depends on the healthiness of your soul. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And even even in, in books that are not as religious, you know, you have books like Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. You have uh, so many leadership books by John Maxwell. And as wealthy as these people are and the way that they uh, raise other leaders to also be wealthy and influential, one thing that all those books highlight is your mindset. What are you believing about yourself? What are you saying? You know, what is your definite purpose? How well are you executing your, your plans? Everything has to do with the internal work and then the external manifests according to how, of course, the nature of your soul is at that moment. Man, that's real good. Thank you so much, um, Bobby Dinkins, for that uh, eloquent response. But I, I really, I really want to help the people right now, um, Dr. Bobby Dinkins. I really want to help them in layman's terms to get to the heart of, or the, in this case, the soul of the matter. And so if you don't mind kind of um, breaking it down for the people, literally what, what, when we say the soul of the matter, what are we saying for the everyday person? Well, what we're first saying to that everyday person is, you know, do you know you have a soul? You know, if you tell somebody what is the soul of the matter and they don't even know what the soul is or that they have one, how can they even identify with that cause? You know, um, there's really something going on in society where there there's one side of society that is completely against the notion that we have a soul. And even our psychology books and Western sciences have been in that field for a very long time. So every way that we have approached uh, ourselves from a medicinal perspective, yes. uh, even down to surgeries, uh, uh, the way the brain works, the way the heart works, all these things has really been undergirded by the idealism that we don't have a soul and that everything is that's operating is inside the brain, you know? Wow. And and that's been for years and not until really recently has there been another level of scientist and scientific research that's kind of now opposing that, that traditional idea that we've held onto for so long because what that idea did first and foremost was, that causes us to feel powerless. If I don't know I have a soul, I don't know the power I really have. That's good. I don't know that I'm conscious. I don't know that I have a will. I don't know that the choices that I make uh, creates outcomes. I don't know that the words that I speak uh, causes things to take place. All that is removed from the mind of that mind takes on the concept that we don't have a soul. That's good. Now, if we go to the place where, hey, we do have a soul, now, what is the soul? What is the soul of man that we can determine what is the soul of the matter? And this is where it gets somewhat complex, but to keep it simple, think about certain things like 
when when you're upset, right? Yes. And your heartbeat goes up. Yes. Is it that the heartbeat goes up that makes you upset, or is it that you're upset and it makes the heartbeat goes up go up? That's good. Now, same thing with the brain. You know, that side of the field that says we have no soul says, hey, well, the brain is the place where thoughts are formed. Well, that is true. That's where thoughts are formed. But that is not where thoughts originate. Oh, that's good. See, these are a play of words, okay? When something is formed, it's coming into the realm of formation. Yes, yes. But before it's formed, it has to come from another place. Yes. And see, this is where the field of neuroplasticity begins to oppose that idealism that we don't have a soul. That's good. Because they see that the cells in the movement of the brain is not originating its own cause, but it's actually responding to a more subtle form of energy that's more directed by something called the mind. Yes. And so when I see it from that perspective, the mind is really the, the cause behind the matter. And the first form of matter being the brain is the satellite in which the language of the mind is able to come through into this body in the forms that those scientists see as thought forms. Yes. When they see thought forms, what they see is the neural network being formed in the brain based on the impression. But they haven't, they haven't identified that the impression doesn't start with the brain. It starts with the mind. Yes, that's good, Dr. Dingus. That's okay. good. So, so this is all going into what is the soul of the matter because to, to discover a matter, there's so many functions or so many areas that we have to talk about. You know, if, 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 some, if somebody asks me, what is the matter of man? It's, it's almost impossible to answer that question if I don't know the identity of man. Oh, that's good. You know, like, that's like good. what are we? What are we? Who are we? Who are we? Where did I come from? Where did I come from? What is my purpose? What is my purpose? And, and, and why am I here? And why am I here? That's good. All those answers or all those questions is an indicator, one, that we don't know we have a soul. Wow. Two, we don't know where we come from. We're, we're asking these questions because it's obvious we don't know. We don't know. And so if we don't know those things, then we don't know that the soul of the matter is actually what we are creating. The matter that we're dealing with is what we are creating. Wow. We just don't know we're creating it because we don't know how it works. That's good. And it goes back to the word. When we talk about the soul of the matter, let's, let's do a quick timeline. You know, what's interesting is the word play. Like I said, in Genesis chapter one, God says, let us create or let us make. Yes. And then it says, and God created man. So you see the word make and then the word create. Now, what's interesting is, is you can make up your mind without yeah. using your hands, right? Yes, you can. You can create through imagination before it is formed. Yes, you can. Okay. So like you said earlier, there are two times that man was created, right? The first was in the thoughts of God. Wow. When God said, let us make man, and, and man was created, that is not the man in form. That's 
good. That's good. That is the man seen complete in the mind of God. That's good. Okay. And then in chapter two, it says, all of a sudden, God formed man. Well, that is a different dimensional process. You know, you create things once you think about it. And then the more you think about it, then you begin to bring form to it into this dimension so that all can behold what you created. And, you know, I'm going to cut you off now, but I'm going to let you piggyback in. As you, again, speaking, I'm getting real excited, and I'm about to turn this into a sermon. (laughs) Um, When you said that, here's what I'm thinking. The world has decided to keep everything in the earth realm. Yes, yes. And we have... We have we have taken away not our religion but our divine essence. Yes. By allowing men to keep us in the brain form and not the soul form. That's right. That's right. Basically keeping us in the animal form, flesh only. Because if we tap into the soul the soulless realm, if we don't tap into the soulless realm, we will find something else to serve. That's right. That's because right. by nature, our soul was created, according to this scripture, according to the Bible that you and I study, we were we were created to worship God. That's right. So anytime we're not worshiping what has created us, then it, it forces us because we were created to worship the divine being. We're going to find something else to worship. To worship. And that that is so... That's powerful to say, and that's that's really a, a sounding the alarm, uh, what you just said, because that's what we fall victim to. What a lot of people don't understand is that the soul itself, the nature of the soul, is very sensitive to impressions of image. Wow. And, and, and I've learned this as a child growing up in a very unique uh, background that I, that I grew up in. Yes. That the, the highest form of worship to a soul is to put on the image of what it's worshiping. Oh, that's good. And so going back to the, what is the soul of the matter? One of those matters dealing with the soul is the soul has put on erroneous images of itself because the mind, hence the brain of, of our mind is only uh, connecting through the lens that, that I'm just flesh and blood then what the soul has done is it has lowered itself in awareness from a divine nature down to I'm only perceiving myself as this flesh and blood human being. That's good. And the whole time the soul is still divine. Wow. It's just taking on the false image. Wow. But not on its own accord. Wow. Because, you know, from a biblical perspective, the way you and I come from, we know that there are forces also behind the scene. Absolutely. That's trying to dictate the, 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 the nature of the soul through us being in darkness wow. that we don't have one. And like I said, we'll go back to Genesis when, when the living soul was, was created through the relationship of the spirit of God's breathing into the flesh. Right. Yeah. And then a soul, the man became a living soul. That means that at that moment, the soul of man being his consciousness, 
Being fully aware, being fully awake and having already a divine relationship with God that he didn't have to learn. Wow. Okay. The communication was already there because he, his soul came into being from the place of the highest awareness, which is my father breathing his life into me. Right. That means the soul has a memory deep into its subconscious of that moment in our existence. Wow. And the soul at that time also did not experience no duality between good and evil. Come on Because now. the soul had not yet made a decision That's to good. eat. That's good. Because once the soul aches, if we take Man, and we good. look at the Bible, not just from a carnal perspective, absolutely, but from a perspective that, hey, we are souls and we have spirits, Right. When we see the scriptures from that moment, let's take away that Eve and Adam ate from the tree physically. I'm not saying it didn't happen, but let's 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 increase our insight. Yes. Let's say a soul ate an idea. Oh. The soul ate knowledge Ooh. of good and evil. And if the soul is the seat where we can imagine, where we can perceive, where we begin to have memories and, and awareness and feelings, yeah. And feelings, then the moment that the soul ate, the knowledge of good and evil was the moment the soul could begin to create in its imagination good and evil, life and death. That's good. All these things began. When the soul decided to eat a knowledge that was forbidden. That's good. And and then suddenly the soul experiences an eternal life before that event. Then this event occurs. And then the consequence of this event is now the soul has fallen. The greatest asset that we have as a man or a woman or just a human is our soul. The devil's after the soul. God wants to save the soul. Jesus came and died for the soul. That's good. That's good. Of, of creation, according to the Bible, is suffering death through the sin of one man. We're not talking about what he did with his physical hands. We're talking about the Absolutely. state of one man's soul. Absolutely. Shifted. Watch this. The electromagnetic field of creation. Wow. Because creation responds to the nature of our soul. Wow. So let me give an example um, of how that actually works in relation to our connection to creation as well. Uh, there was several years ago where there was another young black man in a different state and he got murdered by a white cop. And I want to say that that particular cop was not found guilty for the charges. And so it caused the nation to be irate for a season and I was observing it over the news and my wife and I was just kind of talking about it. And because we kind of already, already had this understanding, I remember seeing the emotional content of the people. And I told her, I said, watch this. That's going to create a storm. And then within three to six months later, there was a very devastating uh, hurricane that took place on the East Coast during the wintertime. Wow. So why do I say that? Why did I say that? Why did I believe that that created a storm? Well, because once again, the heart emits an electromagnetic field that can be measured several feet away from, a, from the human body. And then that magnetic field is affected directly by our emotional state. So that's just one individual. Now, if you take a nation of people and now everyone in the nation is in a place that, hey, 
uh, uh, we're all angry because of this, kind of like what's happening right now. And I'm actually tied into what's happening right now. Uh, George Floyd just got murdered by a white cop. It enraged the nation. Black Lives Matter is on a move like never before. And, and all these protests is taking place. Well, the state of the nation emotionally is in the heart of its people. While that heart is beating and everybody's in this negative emotional state, those signals through our magnetic field is affecting the magnetism of the atmosphere. Then all of a sudden, while this is happening, watch this. There's a hurricane that was first moving away from the United States on the southern part below Texas, Louisiana. It was moving away as the protest has increased. It also increased the temperature of our weather through our emotions. That's where we have to reconnect this knowledge to who we really are is our emotions and mental state affects the creation that we live in. Once we connect back to that, we will actually allow ourselves to be more, more circumspect and more prudent, more aware of, okay, let me watch how I'm thinking. Let me watch what I say. Let me watch how I feel, you know, because we are affecting creation. And, and as these protests continue, what ended up happening? It went from what was called tropical storm depression. And then it reversed, heading back to the United States, picking up speed and power, and it changed names from depression to crystal ball, which I thought was interesting. But it's following the emotional state of God's people. We're angry, but we're also changing its weather of creation. And then if you want to say, well, where's scriptural reference to that? Let's talk about some scriptures. Let's go back to one we spoke before. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Let's use another one. Death and life is in the power of the tongue. Let's use another one. Creation or the creature is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. Why? Because creation itself has been in bondage. Scripture says it. And it also says it's going to be set free through the liberty of the sons of God. So becoming a son of God is not something in regards to I'm not this now, I'm becoming it later. It is, do you believe you are this now? Through receiving Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, you're also putting on the son. And when you put on the son, it has to be first you recognize you are a son of God in awareness. When your mind is set on that, you begin to wake up to the fact that, hey, the power of the son of God, you've always been using, but we had no knowledge of it. So because we had no knowledge of it, we misused it. Hence, we transgressed the law. Listen, uh, thank you so much. We are out of time now, man, but that was hot. I can't wait to uh, hear from our uh, viewers what they have to say about this. Again, thank you so much for tuning in uh, to Living in the Aftermath with yours truly. Uh, Dr. Rick Reynolds. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Until we see you again, God bless you. You have just experienced living in the aftermath with Dr. Rick Reynolds. There are times in our human experience where we are often tempted to feel like we are beyond repair. The good news is, 
is never hopeless, you're never helpless, and your life is never beyond repair. If you are in need of tools, encouragement, and tips for turning your mess into your message, purchase your copy of Living in the Aftermath today. You can order your copy in print or in a digital ebook format at Amazon.com or by visiting DrRickReynolds.com. Living in the Aftermath, your personal guide for forging a new life out of hard experiences.